Hello, friends. Nico here from the Geek Cast Live, and you are proudly listening to the Movie Podcast Network. Hey there, Cartoon Joe here. If you like what we do, head on over to Patreon.com for special extras and crispy num-nums that you can get for just a few dollars a month. That's Patreon.com slash GeekCastLive. Don't forget to subscribe to us on iTunes or YouTube or follow us on SoundCloud. Be sure to comment, like, review, leave cynical comments, or call Nick mean names. He likes when you do that. Like books? Hate to read? Have ears? Like to listen? Well, we have a solution. Audible.com, where there's over like a million or something books that you can listen to with your ears. Go to audible.com slash geekcastlive for a nice kick in the pants. We'll do it live! It's a trap! Alright, Krennic men, welcome to episode 422 of the GeekCast Live Podcast. I am your host, GCR, and with me, as always, Cartoon Joe. And that's fucking it. <laughs> I, even, um, I even tried to make my inflection like Rob does. No, that was nice. I don't, I don't usually go first. Rob base. <laughs> it depends on if we catch him post-giggle or not. That's it's a weird. It's a weird thing. And he is actually at... A riff ref concert. Yep, I believe. I don't even think that he's he actually the... is literally at a riff ref concert. <laughs> he is in the the forests uh, of Michigan, um, dancing with the sprites or whatever he does, uh, uh, grinding it out to some generators. I think. <laughs> uh, we're hoping to have stories fit for Rob when he comes back next week. Yeah. Um, but you never know. And Nick, we're not sure. We're not sure where Nick is. Um, last we saw him, he was with the Wildlings north of the Wall. <laughs> so he is our Benjamin Stark. Yeah. You know, rumor has it he's cold hands, but we'll wait for George R. R. Martin to tell us. I'm not gonna rely Someday. on that HBO shit. <laughs> right. Oh, uh, you had. A, did you have some Joe Fasia today? I did. I did. I also, uh, I had some trouble Googling, so. <laughs> Remember that time uh, Dan Sosler was a producer-director of <laughs> Game of Thrones? Fucking Dan Sosler. <laughs> S-O-Z-L-E-R. Uh-huh, with an umlaut over the O. <laughs> that I very carefully added to the text message. <laughs> oh, Jesus. Yeah, that was that was funny. That was funny. We were ha- we were having a conversation about uh, um, the fact that HBO and Damon Lindelof is bringing um, the Watchmen to the television, and Joe took Damon Lindelof to not only mean uh, Dan Weiss but also Dave Benioff, which was <laughs> well, ben- I- Benioff does rhyme with Lindelof. So. I've never, I've never seen you mistake, like, like mistaking Cuba Gooding Jr. for uh, Terrence Howard. Terrence Howard, I can understand that. You, you mistake, you mistook one guy for two guys. <laughs> <laughs> no, I. Uh, the issue is, is uh, 
I think some people mistake HBO for a network that cares. Oh, that's a good one. So that's a good you. one. They're thank currently you. doing a thing now. I don't know why. I'm. I like to. I'd like to perfectly choose the show that I watch while I podcast. Right now, I've got mm. Game of Thrones on. Nice. And the episode. This is. I think I'm watching episode three, season four, right now. The episode before this was season two, episode six. <laughs> I don't. I don't know why they're doing it. I feel like people trying to catch up on the show are going to be so confused. I know. If they're not paying attention to the fact that they're literally jumping. They're not like jumping episodes. They're jumping whole goddamn seasons. (laughs) (laughs) It's hard enough to keep track of the thousands of characters. Uh, It's it's weird. It it is nice. You know what, though? I haven't. I really haven't gone back and watched, like rewatched. I rewatched season one with some of the guys from work, and that was fun. But it's neat seeing, uh, um, like, Ygritte right now and Jon mm. Snow. Are, I think they're getting ready to climb the wall. Mm-hmm. It's nice seeing her again for multiple reasons. But Right? <sighs> At least three. Just, it's, almost show, it's almost show season again. We almost got Game of Thrones, which means Game of Thrones talk. And I know that you and I, of the four of us on this show, are able to split the difference between, you know. Right, the show the, and the, 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 the book. The fan fiction that is HBO and the book. It's not. It's not, I don't even. I don't understand why it's so hard. Yeah, I don't either. But people have some really tough times with it. If if the books never existed, would it be the best show to ever be on television? Uh, until American Gods came to television. That's yes. true. Which is it is better than the book, isn't it? Is it yeah, a rare instance it's, where the show is better than the book? Yes. Hands down. I haven't finished it yet, though. I've, uh, I forgot to watch the last episode of the season. I, well, I I haven't seen the last episode of the season either. Um, but I also forgot to – I haven't finished reading it because I didn't finish reading it. Mm-hmm. It didn't uh... – It's kind of a, like uh, – so in the intro to the book, it talks about how people either love it or hate it. And I, I finished it like, it's okay. Right. I like it. It's not the greatest thing I've ever read. It's not the worst. But it's very yeah. strange. Well, and the the it's is one of the only books outside of Twilight where uh the main character is way less interesting than any of the other characters. <laughs> oh, so fucking And Neil Gaiman, if you want to come on and tell me why I shouldn't compare your book to Twilight, please. I love how we kind of we we bait guests by like degrading their works, right? Like, look, uh, if they just answer my emails without <laughs> me doing that, uh, we're gonna. Have, this is a weird show. This is gonna be a weird show tonight, Joe. It is. I don't think it's been me and you ever done a show. A show uh, it's about? not since uh, season one. I think, like Thanksgiving season one, right? Yeah, something like that. We had like a Ryan and Joe Thanksgiving special. Yeah, it was pre-Nick and uh, it was Rob's first Riff Raff concert. Right. Huh. That is, well, that's been a long time. Yep. Cool thing is, is that we have a, we picked the right two guests to stay on the show tonight. We have a, we have a guest uh, tonight that I think is going to be the definition of, of geek in the way that we define it, which is the. The everyone geeks on something. Mm-hmm. So, 
it's not quite time to bring him on the show yet, but I just I'm 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 I just realized that it was you and I going to be doing this interview. And right? I think that's perfect. I think it is too. I think it is too because I don't I don't think anybody else on our show is as excited about parliamentary procedure. <laughs> exactly. Uh, what is it? What is it? Link you sent me didn't? Weren't you and I going to go to some sort of parliamentary? Yeah, you can. You can school? be. Uh, you can. You can go to classes and become a certified parliamentarian. That's what does that do for? Is that like a? Is that, are you like a notary? Uh, kinda. Yeah, it's like uh, you can. People can hire you to run meetings for them and stuff. Is there a calling for that? Uh, yeah, yeah. It's actually, uh, they're in high demand, believe really? it or not. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know how much you get paid for it or anything, but... Yeah, like any anytime that there's like a, a government meeting, a church board, um, I don't know, the local school board meets, whatever. Um, people need people to run meetings and, and make sure that stuff stays civil. And so... Somebody who knows Robert's rules of order and can say, you know, hey, this person's out of line. Uh, you need to be quiet because somebody else has the floor. Is uh, it's it's indispensable. Weird. It is, but it's also like what are the, it's so cool to me, you know. Especially when the rules get really esoteric or like they're they're specific to the body, like that that podcast you shared with me, the Senate Whisperer. You know, right? Where where she knows, uh, she has to know that you know, 150 years ago, somebody from South Carolina decided <laughs> to cane somebody well, on the floor, and so I'll tell you what. Let's just let's bring our guest on. And I didn't mean to say guest on. Oh, nice. Um, no one hunts bring- like our guest. <laughs> That's that was funny, Joe. That was funny. Thank you. No one hunts like Gaston. If I can find him, I'm just now figuring out how to use this damn Skype thing. <laughs> I think I think there's going to be a handful of guests that wonder why we why this was the show we went with today. And there's, there's going to be another handful of guests that are really going to enjoy the show, today. right? Hey, what's going on, guys? How are you, sir? Hey, welcome. Hey, not too bad. Not too bad. Uh, I should have warned you ahead of time. There's a decent chance I might get called away by a screaming infant. Uh, but uh, We love screaming uh, infants. Yeah, I'll, I'll try to be quick with it. <laughs> so uh, uh, thanks for coming on GeekCast Live. Appreciate it, first of all. Uh, thank you guys for having me. Uh, secondly, if you could introduce yourselves and if you could get – Get your credentials out of the way so we can just get into talking about some some really cool shit in 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 Senate rules and procedure <laughs> because you you may not we know don't hear that often. You may have found two dudes who are really interested in this. Yeah, it sounds uh, sounds great. Uh, yeah, uh, my name is Tony Madonna. I'm a uh, associate professor here at the uh, University of Georgia, uh, and I specialize in legislative rules and process. Uh, Type questions specific to the U.S. Congress. No. How how does one pick that as their 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 um, totem of power? How does one how does one pick senatorial procedure? Yeah, not not 
like intentionally necessarily. No. <laughs> just kind of fall into it. Yeah, I was, uh, you know, I always tell this to, to my undergraduates when like they're thinking about law school, grad school, whatever. I, um, I was working in that. Yeah, I always knew I was going to go to law school, do the lawyer, uh, like do that kind of stuff. And, uh, you know, I was, I was working in the Michigan State Senate and I looked around and I I loved politics. I loved working in legislators and legislatures. And I realized, you know, if I uh, if I uh, get my JD, I'm going to end up doing this right. Uh, all my bosses had JDs and uh, just seemed like a waste of time. So I decided I'd go to graduate school. They give you a stipend to do it. Uh, and then I really took to like the, you know, I found myself like I never intended to finish at like two in the morning uh, on a Friday, I realized I was like reading the congressional record and laughing at something Jesse Holmes was saying in there. It's like, oof, maybe I like this stuff. Maybe uh, maybe this is something I should do. So, yeah. that's awesome. Well, we the 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 purpose of this show is to highlight things that people are passionate about and things that people geek on. So, oh great, all right. The uh, we we uh, um. This is this is a topic we've never covered, yeah. but but the idea well, of typically, uh, we're, a, we're a pop culture, uh, uh, you know, Dungeons and Dragons board games, Stranger Things, Wonder Woman, the occasional comic sports, books, the occasional sports, music, movies, books. Um, but the idea, I mean, we, we heard you on a podcast yeah. and you, you were very you seem to be very um, passionate and geeky yeah. about this stuff. And right. so what. What we're looking for is is if you can kind of tell us what sure. are what is what is procedure and mm-hmm. why is it important to like uh, to the to the Senate. Yeah. Uh, so I should add too. I got that podcast. Like uh, the when you do Senate process stuff or when you do process stuff, you're rarely in demand uh, <laughs> to do media or that kind of thing. Uh, and the only time I get calls, it's kind of embarrassing, is when the Senate parliamentarian's office pops up into the news uh, because I have this unpublished working paper. Right? It, I, I didn't even get it published. It's just when you Google that paper, right, like my name pops up. I'm always a little embarrassed. I always tell them, like, guys, you just call the Senate parliamentarian's office if you want to do interviews with that. Um, but, yeah, to the question about why process is, uh, uh, is important, right, it's, uh, you know, it frequently uh, decides outcomes. Um, you know, it, when we talk about uh, rules, right, it's just like if you're watching sports or something like that. And if your team loses and you feel like uh, the other guy cheated, right, you're going to be a lot more upset about it than if uh, uh, you feel like you lost a fair match. Right. And it's like that with politics. When Madison was talking in Fed 10 about factions uh, or trying to keep people uh, tempered. Maybe I'm thinking Fed 51. Right, regardless, right? The idea is you keep the uh, uh, you can mitigate like that level of insanity by making sure everybody's listening to or following a fair set of rules. <laughs> but so, but it, it what what? Okay, I'm sorry. I'm just excited. Yeah. The, there's only 44 Senate rules. Oh yeah, yeah. So how yeah, is how is there only 44? I mean, you'd think yeah, that and there many would of be those are, are kind of hundreds. on the outside, right? So Senate rules, uh, I, most of the time when we talk about Senate rules, what we're really talking about is Senate precedents, right? It's kind of like when we think about the Constitution, right? There's not a ton of stuff written down in the Constitution, right? You compare it to like the NCAA uh, 
uh, rule book, right? It's ridiculous, right? The NCAA rule book's huge. The Constitution's real small. What we do is we've, uh, over the years, interpreted those provisions in certain ways, and the Senate's done the same thing, right? Uh, because it's a continuing body, and what that means is senators are elected every six years, so yeah, two-thirds of them are going to stick around from Senate to Senate. They don't adopt new rules at the start of each uh, session, uh, and so they just... Uh, when rules change, they generally change because they've interpreted them in a different way. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. And oftentimes in scuzzy ways too, right? Which is, I think what makes some of this stuff really fun. Okay. Well, a loose to date on that. Give me something scuzzy. Give, yeah, give us so the, give I, us I, the dirt. Know, we think about uh, uh, <clears throat> one of the things that got a lot of attention recently was Elizabeth Warren was called to order under uh, uh was it Rule 19? Yeah. Rule 19? Yeah, so she's given this speech, right? Uh, and uh, she's in, talking about uh, Jeff Sessions is getting nominated to attorney general. And uh, one of the rule, things the rule says is that a senator can't, uh, uh, I guess, impugn another senator, all right, another sitting senator. And so she's reading something from uh, uh, Coretta Scott King's statement on Sessions in the 80s. Uh, that impugned him, and McConnell calls her to order under the rule, uh, and basically, you know, it takes her off the floor. Um, that rule was originally set up because I think in like 1905, the senator from South Carolina, yeah, there are two senators from South Carolina, one of whom pitchfork Ben Tillman is exactly what you would expect a dude named pitchfork. <laughs> Uh, from South Carolina in 1905 to be like, right? And he hated the other senator. And the other senator said something about him. And so he came to the floor and just cold cocked him, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that's why they set up the rule. They didn't set it up uh, necessarily for the reasons why McConnell took off the floor. Uh, and I think a lot of people that looked at what McConnell did kind of viewed it as a mistake anyhow, just because it got, you know, a lot of, uh, it generated her a lot more attention than she probably would have gotten otherwise, right? So it's, it's rarely used in that manner. Now, who calls? Is it is it the Senate parliamentarian who who tells McConnell to do that, or does McConnell do uh, it, and then the Senate parliamentarian tells him how? No, so yeah, so the Senate parliamentarian is going to be advising the chair at any point, right? Okay, uh, and so any senator can raise a question, right? A uh, question of order, uh, and the you know question of order could be like this guy's out of order, and then the presiding officer who's generally, the Constitution says it's going to be the vice president. It's pretty rare that the vice president's actually sitting there. Uh, so it's usually a more junior senator on their uh, majority side uh, is going to generally heed the advice of the uh, parliamentarian's office on these questions of order. Uh, in that case, uh, the I think the rule stated that you have to submit that question to the full Senate and the full Senate voted right, uh, to uphold McConnell's point. It was a partisan, but yeah, yeah. Wow. See, I'm looking at, I'm looking at. Uh, there's a Wikipedia page that just has all the Senate rules, and I guess I, awesome. I, I misspoke earlier saying that there's only 44 rules, and I made it seem I think that that's like uh, there's not a lot of context to those rules, mm -hmm. and then and then I just clicked the button that said full text of a rule. <laughs> yeah. And holy shit. Mm-hmm. That's yeah, it depends a lot. on which ones you click. And if you go to uh, – if you Google uh, Riddick, Riddick's um, – hang on. I mean, the, movie, the movie Riddick with uh, Vin no, Diesel? Riddick's Senate Procedure. 
Well, it's comparable in coolness. Uh, <laughs> this, this lists all of the precedents. So it oh, gives wow. you the rules. And then you get this really in-depth discussion of sort of like the where you can find precedents for that kind of thing. All right. So what's the what's what's the uh, what's the goofiest rule? What's the rule that either gets invoked the most or hasn't been, uh, you know, is is used for deplorable means? Maybe what's the what's the weird rule? I mean, the the weirdest rule in the Senate is the absence of a of a simple majoritarian rule to end debate. Right. That's what we get the filibuster from. Uh, and so a lot of times you'll talk to people about the filibuster and they'll say things like, you know, they, they'll refer to it as a filibuster rule. And it's actually just it, it's the opposite. It's the absence of a rule. Right. And one of the weird things about where that rule came from, and there's some debate over uh, how much of it is due to this. Right. Uh, you know, why do we have a filibuster today? Uh, but I think a good argument can be made that, look, the filibuster today has came about largely out of a. Uh, a series of uh, kind of parliamentary accidents, right? Uh, a lot of people think there's some sort of grand design, but in reality, uh, just a bunch of weird stuff that happened. One of which uh, was the turn of the 19th century. Uh, Aaron Burr, before he ended up shooting Alexander Hamilton in kind of a uh, parliamentary housekeeping way, got rid of a rule uh, that the house eventually used to, to end debate in that chamber, right? So basically part of the reason why we have a filibuster day is, is because of some weird parliamentary housekeeping thing that Aaron uh, Burr uh, engaged in in, what, 1804. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry if that sounded insane, but it's a little bit insane. <laughs> it is a little bit insane. Yeah. It kind yeah. of is. I mean, you have to run a republic off of this. Yeah, no, it is. And you think about like all of the massive implications from the Senate filibuster rule today, and, and, and it is massive, right, uh, for it not to come about through any sort of clear design is a little bit unsettling. Uh, so that's, kind of, that's kind of what happens when you have living documents and, and continuing bodies, right? Yeah, that's, that's exactly right. You have living documents, you have continuing bodies, and, you know, weird crap happens. Um, so... Dude. Yeah, and then, you know, there's a bunch of other, like, just sort of odd rules in there. The other, like, one of the, you know, when we talk about Senate rules, the two things that I think distinguish the Senate more from any other legislative chamber is filibusters, uh, but also the presence of non-germane amendments. Uh, so in the House, right, if you offer an amendment to something, it has to be somewhat related to the underlying content. Uh, in the Senate, not necessarily the case. You get some really weird amendments, right, um, mostly for pure position taking purposes. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So you're familiar with, uh, during the original affordable care act debate, uh, Tom Coburn attached an amendment, uh, or proposed an amendment that would have barred, uh, anybody from getting, uh, selling Viagra to sex offenders. Right. Uh, and the way the rules were set up, had anybody voted for that, had they voted for that, they would have had to go back and sort of revamp, the entire bill, so they had to vote it down, and you saw that in a bunch of uh, attack ads. Right? So and so likes Viagra for sex offenders. <laughs> yeah, gotcha. So some of them are just put out there for political fodder, really, not because they're actually trying to put the amendment on. Oh yeah, most uh, I think that's most amendments the past like fifteen twenty years are just what we would call political position taking amendments. Gotcha, gotcha. Yeah. So out of 
what I'm wondering about, the thing that fascinates me about the rule, rule 19, for example, is Mm -hmm. how does the rule become don't impugn a senator's, uh, whatever, and not don't punch a senator in the face during debate? Theoretically, right? They always had the don't punch the senator in the face rule. Oh, okay. Like that, that, that was always kind of not cool. Like an unwritten um, rule. I just, yeah. I feel like growing up, you hear a lot about like Calhoun caning people and yeah, yeah. Right. And, um, so it was actually it was Preston Brooks who was in the house when he came and caned that guy. But, uh, Oh, sorry. No, no, no. Yeah. Calhoun certainly got in some duels too. So <laughs> it was a really violent place. Um, and people I think often miss that. I was say maybe it I should th- still be. Yeah, no, like it, people would, uh, well, actually, I was at a conference this past, uh, this past week and we got into a debate with a couple of guys and I, I don't know the right answer to this, uh, uh, but, uh, one of the guys there that's worked in the Senate for a while has argued pretty aggressively that, look, you know, the chamber needs more conflict, right? More conflict's going to force people to kind of engage a bit more and a lot of the problems it's taking the conflict and it's kind of hiding it. Uh, so yeah, I, I don't, I don't know how to answer that. Uh, but, uh, it's a, it's a good Good discussion. Um, yeah, on Rule 19, so the reason why it became don't impugn a member, I should have been uh, clear about this. Uh, the guy Pitchfork Ben punched in the face was talking some smack about him on the floor of the Senate. Uh, and so they thought like, well, you know, one way to avoid this kind of violence is if we just make it. So that it never happens in the first place. Yeah, yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. There's how does a how does a rule get added and what would what would need to happen for there to be a 45th rule? Yeah, so they would have to revise the the chamber's rules, which occur kind of intermittently, right? Uh, early on, it seemed like it was every 20 years or so. I can't quite recall when the last time it was that they they, uh, they did a formal kind of revise of the rules. Um, Actually, no. I mean, they've added rules. They've added rules at the start of each Congress uh, a few times, right? Uh, so that has happened. Right? So you just have to, the beginning of the chamber or the beginning of the, not even necessarily the beginning of the session, you'd have to introduce a resolution. The problem, though, uh, is that anytime you want to change the rules of the Senate, that's subject to a, I think, a, it's subject to a filibuster. Uh, and so that becomes problematic. You need to have sure. support. Yeah. So, so what? Okay, this is one of the, this. This is why this is so fascinating to me because yeah. it seems so. It seems so up to interpretation mm-hmm. that it it almost seems like the word rule shouldn't be used. Yeah. So again, we, we that's why people use the phrase precedent, right? Okay. Yeah. So you've seen like most recently when they ended the uh, uh, the filibuster on executive branch nominations and then Supreme Court nominations, those were the Senate changing its rule via precedent. Right. Uh, they were changing a precedent, not necessarily formally changing the rules. Right. But it was a pretty significant uh, change in both instances. Well, what about when. When Harry Reid, uh, like the nuclear option. Yeah, that's yeah the nuclear. Is that option. that was is that was that a, a, a like a deep hidden got to know your rules type thing, or was that something that was always there, or was it an interpretation of of uh, a Senate precedent or a Senate rule? 
Yeah, so it was a new precedent, right? Uh, and it was something that uh, really I think they started talking about this. Uh, they've talked about changing the, the rules on nominations or uh, filibuster through this means intermittently again throughout history. Uh, it certainly happened. It, it, there was a long break between when they adopted the cloture rule in 1917 to uh, – them actually talking about going nuclear in the Senate, uh, which I think came back in about 2002 uh, under Republicans uh, who were upset at about Democratic filibusters of President George W. Bush's uh, uh, judicial nominees. You know, okay. it's, it's one of those things, too, that's a, kind of a, a pretty commonly held or pretty commonly known is that <clears throat> if you ever Everybody's a hypocrite when it comes to procedure, right? So when Harry Reid was talking about uh, decided to go nuclear, this had occurred after like 10 years of him saying that not going nuclear was his greatest achievement. And then when Mitch McConnell <laughs> decided to go nuclear two years later, this was after him saying, you know, going nuclear was a disaster uh, under Reid and beforehand, uh, you know, uh, him saying that the Senate should go nuclear, right? Right. You know, one of the things you learn as somebody who really likes process is that senators and house members and politicians don't get elected because they care about rules. They get elected because they care about process. I mean, they get elected because they care about policy, which makes a lot of sense. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So what, yeah. uh, for, for our listeners at home, what is the, what would be the takeaway? What's, why should they care about this as much as you care about it? Yeah. Uh, so, this is something that when you under it, politicians are going to violate the rules when they think they can get away with it, right? Right. Right. And when the public doesn't understand what the rules are, it's easy for politicians to get away with violating them, mm -hmm. uh, and that creates a much less stable process. All right. Uh, I think that's been a big problem past 10, 15 years is everybody's expressing outrage over every little thing that happens in the political uh, discourse. Right. And well, it's, it's a lot easier when you can do it via tweet. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, when you can't delineate or differentiate between a major shift uh, in legislative rules from a, all right, so they're hiding the bill, right? Uh, that's, something majority parties have done the last like five, 10 years, that kind of thing. Right? right. And that becomes problematic. Right. And it leads to politicians deciding, all right, we're just going to change these rules as we see fit. Mm -hmm. uh, and that means you have a far less stable system. Uh, policy is going to move in a lot more unpredictable directions and maybe not necessarily well thought out directions. That makes sense. Gotcha. Yeah, it, it, I, I think it makes total sense. Yeah, I think it makes total sense. It's uh, sort of part of it, part of being the informed electorate is knowing uh, that these rules exist and that they need to hold their representatives accountable to them. Yeah, and, and I will say one thing uh, on behalf of the electorate and not necessarily being informed is <laughs> <laughs> the chambers, both the House and the Senate, and I think. Uh, Politics in general has gotten exceedingly complex, and I think in the past 30, 40 years, and it's made it difficult to kind of stay up on, you know, what is uh, 
a major shift and what isn't, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you're getting a lot more sort of complex policies and you're getting a lot more complex, uh, certainly procedures, right? The way a bill becomes a law today has changed drastically uh, from, you know, the I'm just a bill song, right? Right, right. Uh, yeah. And uh, it's, it's tough for the, I think it's tough for the general public to kind of stay, uh, stay up on. Gotcha. So is, uh, is the nuance, in your opinion, a good thing? Or uh, is the is the complication kind of needless? Oh yeah, so it's a good thing for me because I love this crap, right? And it, uh, <laughs> it's entertaining as hell. I think it's generally a bad thing for the uh, uh, for the country in general, mm. right? I think keeping the process as simple as possible is uh, uh, is better, um, and I think there are ways you can do that, uh, both internally and also electorally. Mm. Yeah. Well, this has been, this has been, I could sit, we need like a bonfire and a bottle of whiskey, sir. We could, we could do this forever. Yeah. <laughs> yeah uh, absolutely, man. This is very That's cool. A, stuff. Get a fire and some whiskey. You let me know. This is a, this is very cool stuff. You know, I never thought about the fact that, um, you know, maybe, maybe a little bit more time spent on procedure or, uh, understanding procedure understanding why things are being done and maybe less on the the policy uh, side of it might it but might clear some things up really yeah let me let me add one more point on like uh, why we care about process or procedure too uh, yeah a lot of times in fact I, when I talk to people about procedures people view procedure as something that is um, protects minorities mm-hmm. minority uh, parties in particular right uh, but one of the things you find increasing in the last 10 15 years, uh, is that majorities constantly use it as coverage. Hmm. Uh, what I mean by this is that, uh, you know, House Republicans will say something like, uh, or like we're going to completely repeal Obamacare. And then they're going to say, oh, shucks, look, the Senate, uh, you know, Senate's rules don't let us do that. Uh, sorry about that, guys. Mm-hmm. Um, and so people that vote for politicians uh, will often by that excuse that, look, you know, they, they wanted to, they didn't know they are going to run into the rules that way, right? Uh, politicians know what they're doing when they do that. Right? Mm. Uh, they're, they're buying themselves cover and they're making promises that they know they can't keep um, or they're hiding behind the rules uh, to not make those promises. Hmm. Hmm. That's yeah. interesting. That's yeah. eye-opening. Yeah, and again, I'm a little sleazy, but yeah. <laughs> Well, we uh, okay. That, okay, I'm I'm sorry. I'm I'm just I'm che- I'm chewing on your responses because it's stuff that I haven't thought about. Oh you no, know, no, I have no. I haven't I haven't thought about the fact that that I, I guess you want your politicians to be honest. I mean, who doesn't? Sure. Um, but I never thought about using the rules as a way to either uh, buy time for political winds to shift. Or to make it seem as if you tried your damnedest, but darn it, them rules. Yeah, you want your politicians to be honest, or at least you want to be able to uh, to know when they're they're bullshitting you. Right, right. right. Um, you know, your politicians aren't always going to be honest, and I think uh, as long as they're dishonest in predictable directions, I don't necessarily think that's the ba- a bad thing. Or you know, right, right. Hey, they can't do the things that they're they're promising you they're going to do, right. So then it's not the, – the, the Senate parliamentarian then, it's not her job to 
uh, interpret the use of a rule. It's just her job to tell the the chair, hey, if you're invoking this rule, here's what you need to say to mm-hmm. make it to make it in the books. Yeah, or or she'll say, hey, you know, here's how we've been interpreting this rule, right? So let's you know, say so let's point. say she says, here's how we've been interpreting the rule, and that's not how the what you're wanting to do is not in the spirit of how we've been interpreting it. Mm-hmm. She doesn't get to say, so we're not doing it that way. Yeah, absolutely not, right? She they just kind of has to roll with it. Yeah. I mean, they, they haven't gone the other way. Typically what happens is, you know, the presiding officer will rule the way the parliamentarian will want them to. Mm. And then the full chamber will overturn that ruling. That's the nuclear option. Oh, OK. That we've heard of. But gotcha. no, there's nothing to say that she couldn't say, here's what we're uh, how we've always done it. And the vice president just say, yeah, well, I'm going to read it a different way. Yeah, before the parliamentarian's (laughs) office was established in the 1930s, right, that was essentially, like, these guys were just winging it, right? There'd be, like, this huge debate. They'd get the old, like, the oldest senator onto the floor and be like, you know, Steve, do you remember how this thing uh, worked? And he'd predictably say, yeah, it works the way that favors our party. (laughs) So has has that ever happened? Is there an instance you can think of where uh, the vice president just said, no, no? This is my new interpretation of it. Yeah, no, not not since the office really got established in the late 30s, uh, okay. early 40s. But uh, there are a couple of kind of gray areas where the presiding officer essentially sort of read into, hey, we don't have anything in here that kind of governs that. But no real specific instance uh, where they, they overturned it. But again, before the office got established, yeah, I mean, that happened all the time. It just probably happened Actually, constantly. One of the... Uh, when they were originally deciding how much power uh, to give the presiding officer, one of the reasons why the House is so partisan uh, is because they give all the power to the Speaker. And they were going to do that in the Senate. They gave all the power to the Vice President, uh, and John C. Calhoun screwed him, right, which is a classic John C. Calhoun kind of move where he's the classic Vice President. Classic Calhoun. Yeah, classic Calhoun, right? And he takes <laughs> uh, they gave him this authority to sort of set up these committees, and he set them up and stacked them in a way that favored him. Uh, and screwed the majority party, and so after that, they're like, "Yeah, let's not give the, let's not do that." <laughs> so, some would say it was Calhounian of him. Yeah, there you go. Can oh, we make that a thing? Can we? Yeah. Can uh, we... Done. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> toss a hashtag on that. You're good to go. Oh, <laughs> hashtag Calhounian. Yeah. Absolutely. You yeah. really got to be in the know to get that <laughs> hashtag. <laughs> <laughs> Tony, we, we, we wrap up every show. Uh, we call it the Geek Weekly. And it's where we talk about the, the one thing we've been geeking on this week. Right. And because you're our guest, you can either go first or you can go last. It's up to you. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll do last, man. Okay. Uh, Joe, what you been geeking on this week? I, uh, uh, while I'm at home uh, waiting to, to find an apartment in, in Chicago... I've been borrowing my younger brother's uh, Nintendo Switch and playing just the crap out of uh, Legend of Zelda Breath of the Wild. How is that? It is awesome. It is really, really good. Roll it it back a second. How's the Switch? Uh, The Switch is what the Wii U should have been. Okay. Uh, The Wii U is actually, in my opinion, an embarrassment to the Nintendo line because the Switch exists. So I should buy a Switch? Uh, I think so, personally. Now, I would wait until they come out with more stuff for it. Or like um, the Switch 2? Uh, 
if they if they come out with a Switch 2, sure. I don't think they're going to need to. This is this console is amazing. Hmm. Um, I'd put it up against if if it had more games, I would put it up against any console on the market. So it's big talk. Yeah, it's yeah, but it's it's fantastic. Everything everything about it is great so far. I haven't experienced anything terrible about it. So I heard the Zelda game was really good. It is really good. It it makes Zelda look or not Zelda. It makes Skyrim look stupid, and I'm a huge Skyrim fan. Hmm. So it's interesting. Yeah, yeah, and I, I would recommend it. It's it's fun stuff. So, how about you? What are you geeking on this week? Um. Okay, so you know my love of bourbon. Yeah. And you're familiar with my love of, of bacon. Indeed. Um, especially bacon grease. Really like bacon grease in my coffee. That's mm-hmm. it's a really delicious thing. Well, uh, I haven't had it yet, but I have it being uh, made in my refrigerator right now. Um, you take yourself and you pour it. You get a rocks glass. You do about uh, three ounces of, of your favorite bourbon. Mm-hmm. And then uh, you do the rest of the glass with hot bacon grease. I. Uh, and you put it in the refrigerator. The bacon grease rises to the top, it solidifies, and when it does, you pull it out, you take the bacon grease out, and you have supposedly some of the best bourbon you've ever had. It's like a bacon bourbon. Interesting. So you, um, you, you take the, do you take this congealed bacon grease off the top? Take it off the top of the rocks glass, and you've got three ounces of, of mm. bacon bourbon. And then I'm going to use that bacon grease. The, the recipe said just to kind of throw it away, but I'm going to make, I'm going to make uh, bourbon gravy, mm. bourbon bacon gravy out of it, mm-hmm. um, or I'm going to fry chicken in it. I don't know which one I'm going to do yet. Ooh, do, two, got- do two rock glasses <laughs> and then one of each. Well, I've got, I've got four rock glasses in my fridge oh, solidifying perfect. tonight. I, I cooked the bacon tonight. We had some BLTs for dinner. And uh, yeah, that's what I've, I've been really into. That. I've, been, I've been thinking about it all week, and I finally decided to pull the trigger on it tonight nice so, that and smoked salmon been eating a lot of smoked salmon this week don't know why i didn't throw that in there earlier so tasty it's a tasty it's week kind of, it became my thing it's been a tasty week uh tony how about you what have you been geeking on this week uh so i have two small kids uh so i pretty much kind of just follow them around uh, joe i guess made the made the point about the wii u i apologize for saying this but we've been playing a lot of uh Wii U Mario Kart. Uh, oh, nothing, nothing wrong with that. Yeah, uh, and he's still kind of at the age where you give him the controller, you don't necessarily plug it into anything, and you let him think like he's taking ass. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's, it's a way yeah. for your wife to play some uh, some video games while uh, you know your kid is somewhat quiet. Mm-hmm. Well done. Yeah, it's pretty much been the it's been the last four or five days at least. I'm a big Mario Kart fan. Who's your Who's your go to uh, driver? Uh, so lately, it's just been the little me guy, but uh, otherwise, you know, Luigi tends to be my stock. At a boy, yeah. yeah. I knew I liked you. Yeah, <laughs> Luigi. Luigi was my college go to. Yeah, uh, we're. Uh, you have an older sibling? I don't. I I am the older sibling. Ah, uh, oh no, kidding! And uh, yeah, you go and, Luigi. All right, and I go Luigi. I know it's a little, it's a little. Uh, you don't see unorthodox. That a lot. Yeah. It's yeah. A, it is a little unorthodox, but hey, mm. that's that's me. 
That's me. Oh, well, thank Donkey you, sir. Kong. Did you go, why'd you go Donkey Kong? Uh, I think he had the biggest, he had the most power and the most, um, uh, not speed, obviously. But uh, you could knock other people off the road. Oh. So that's very aggressive. I try to run a nice clean race. <laughs> Fair. <laughs> My style well, is Calhounian. Oh, so. hashtag. We're, we're tying it all together. I like it. That's, by the way, that's probably the show title. Hashtag Calhounian. Just throwing it out there. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, thank you, sir, for coming on. And, hey, and thanks so much, guys. And learning us on, on all this. Yeah. Yeah, call whenever. Thanks, man. Oh, you'll 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 be on again if if uh, um, if our if our listeners have any questions, we will forward forward them on to you for sure. Fantastic. So th- thanks, thanks again, guys. Thanks, man. Take care of those kids and have a great night. We'll do. You too. Bye. That was awesome. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'm. I don't know if I've 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 made myself better or if I've cursed myself because now I need to learn Senate rules. <laughs> right? And at first when I found that Wikipedia page and I just clicked on like rule twenty and it's a like rule twenty governs travel for senators. And I was mm-hmm. like, Oh, okay. I get that rule. Then I clicked on the full text of the rule and it's like nine thousand words. <laughs> it's like the rules for cricket. Like, oh my God, I don't think I can do this. <laughs> but uh, I, right? I think, I think it's sunk me. I think I've sunk in. Well, I think and then, I'm in. and then you got to consider there's house rules too. Yeah, didn't want to consider that. Right, but I'm with you. Right, and, and it's, it's weird that they're and it's not just and it's not rules. just uh, guys finger girls blow. <laughs> you know. <laughs> Not that I'd put it past our esteemed representatives, but oh gosh, dang it, gosh dang it! Hey, and just so you know, uh, they skip right to season five. Oh, fantastic! With the next episode, season three to season five. Probably, Jesus. probably a good choice overall. No, four uh, was the maybe, good one. I'd skip three. Maybe that's the way to watch it. Maybe. Stay for the plugs. They'll be here now. Nico here. Be sure to follow us on Facebook, Chapsnatter, and listen to our twats, especially from Rob Bass, as he will keep you up to date on all the latest and greatest going on with the show. Also, follow us on YouTube, iTunes, and RedTube. The five stars. We love you. Hello, this is Sherlock Holmes. If you can't get enough Cartoon Joe, check out him. Check him out on this this freaking show podcast on uh, Saturday mornings at 11 a.m. Get on over to our Patreon at Patreon.com/slash/GeekCastLive for special content perks and that warm fuzzy feeling that you're doing something awesome and helping out our podcast. We wouldn't be anywhere without you guys, and we look forward to bringing you geeky content for a long time to come.